0: Don't Waste Your Hate, you might have heard of it, another libertarian show which Tom and I appeared on a couple of weeks ago. This is a really enjoyable episode. We discussed a lot of topics, so I hope that you will enjoy episode 88 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast with me, Anthony Samaroff, Tom Laird, Tony Rockamora and Invalid Beard.
1: Now, 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 how's this for a podcast?
2: Don't, don't waste your hate.
0: Hosted by Invalid Beard and Tony Rocamora.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? This is Tony Rocamora. Welcome back to Don't Waste Your Hate. Good morning. Uh, I say morning because it actually is 730 in the morning. This is not our usual mm-hmm. recording time. So if I look like shit, I apologize. Um... But this is nothing compared to uh, my partner over there, Jeff, because he is definitely not a morning person. Uh, so how you doing, Jeff? What's
1: going on, Tony? Happy to be here.
2: <laughs> Sounds like it. Anyway, uh, we have some guests today from across the pond. That's why we are here so damn early. Um, so I'm welcoming back Anthony Samaroff and his co-host, uh, Tom Laird, of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. You'll remember Anthony from... Uh, a few podcasts back, we had him on to talk about his book, Procrastination Annihilation. Uh, we mentioned that he does the Scottish Liberty podcast back then, so we wanted to have him both on to see what's going on over there. So, how you guys doing?
3: We're doing rather good. I mean, I'm I'm looking like shit, but it's got nothing to do with the time of day. I just always look like shit. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I look excellent, so I'm glad to be the best looking person on the YouTube live stream today. I thought you were going to say planet. Planet. Yeah, okay.
2: Definitely a yeah. planet.
0: Yeah. I'm not vain. So,
2: I mean, I'm sure you guys get asked this, but uh, this is just my personal curiosity. Of course, over here, being a libertarian, you're in the minority, but I'm sure it's nothing compared to a lot of other places. So what the hell is it like being a libertarian in Scotland?
3: It's it's lonesome. <laughs> uh I don't know, I'm quite an individualistic person anyway, so I was I was always quite used to being, you know, out there in terms <laughs> of um bless you. Thank you. <laughs> um yeah, I was always you're gonna do another one.
0: I just don't like Tom having the light l- line exactly. like so <laughs> <I have laughs> to <laughs>
3: sneeze whenever he's Anyway. Yeah, so I was I was always kind of used to being out there and different in my political opinions, but yeah, it's it's a lonely experience. There aren't a lot. There's there's rumours of a breeding pair somewhere in Scotland, you know. So we haven't we haven't reached extinction state, Um, but in fact we're growing. There's 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 there's, slowly but surely there's becoming more and more libertarians. But there, there ain't a lot. There's, a, there's a hell of a lot of socialists. It's probably about fifty to one. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say that's optimistic. It's okay, there's, there's a lot
0: more than fifty to one socialists liber- to libertarians. But even our conservatives are socialists over here. Right. I would. Uh, I will always remember. Uh, Walter Block saying to Murray Rothbard, how many libertarians do you think there are? And Murray Rothbard apparently replied, Ah, eh, about twenty-four. So I think we're at least there's at least 24 of us in Scotland. So whenever I get downhearted, I just remember those immortal words.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird though, because I mean when you think about Scotland, at least when I do, you kind of think about this like uh striving for for liberty over there you know i guess right. throwing off the yoke of the, of the british i mean did that die a long time ago was that ever really a thing i mean i assume it was i mean at least mel gibson would tell you it was
0: um the liberty of other people's stuff <laughs>
3: people have different views of what um liberty means don't they yeah i guess so i think there's uh There's a there's a there's a strong anti-establishment kind of uh, rhetoric and a strong anti-establishment feeling among Scots and uh, kind of anti-government. No, not anti-government in the sense that they don't want the government to tell them what to do. They're kind of like teenagers in Scotland. We we don't want mum and dad to tell us what to do, but we like them to pay for stuff for us, you know. Don't tell yeah. me what to. Don't tell me what time to come home. But can you give me three hundred bucks for a new pair of trainers? Yeah, that that kind of thing. So yeah, I've never grown out of that.
0: I would say if you hold the anti-interventionist view on foreign policy, the Scotsers say we're more against the war in Iraq and Afghanistan than the English were. Broadly speaking, they're more against uh, the proliferation of nuclear weapons, and I think. The whole, you know, under Tony Blair and Bush, there was this push against the surveillance state and the government snooping, and that was under the Labour Party here in the UK. So it was um, ostensibly the left-wing party. There was more, maybe more noise made about that stuff here. Of course, all of that disappeared in America as soon as Mr Obama came into office.
3: Yeah, and of course, we've had our own parliament here in Scotland for the last... Twenty years, something like yeah, and that's kind of diffused a lot of the nationalistic feeling. And there's, a, there's, I think for the broad populace, there's a feeling that we're pretty much in control of our own destiny as much as we possibly can. They want more powers for that parliament, obviously, um, but it's yeah, that's kind of took the sting out of a lot of the the, the nationalistic. Sort of feeling, and it's like, okay, we've got we're on government now, we've got an SNP government and they're going to take care of things, and we're not re- so reliant. There was just this feeling for years that no matter what we did here in Scotland, which was true, no matter what we did, we'd be outvoted by the English. Um, so whatever whatever government, whatever flavor of government that the English decided on was the one we got stuck with. So that's not quite the same anymore. So that, that's taken a lot of the wind out the nationalistic sort of stuff in Scotland.
2: Right. Uh, <clears throat> so Anthony mentioned the foreign policy a little bit. So, so Jeff, I mean, have you been paying attention to – I mean, okay, we're recording this uh, April 12th, Thursday morning, so I, this probably won't get released for a few days. But uh, hopefully it gets released and, you know, the world doesn't end between now and then. But uh, right. things are looking a little scary. Jeff, have you been paying attention to uh, – our president trump and the syria stuff
1: yeah presumably you you're talking about syria and our our deep state you know one moment he's uh talking about pulling out of syria and and there's always a it always seems to be the perfect tweet for something inappropriate that he's doing from him um still still sitting out there and there's no shortage of him on on syria and then, uh you know right on cue uh, somehow we have a, a gas attack right um apparently assad isn't just evil but he's a complete moron as well and, uh, and yeah, and now he's what, what tweeting with, with Putin about, um, you know, the smart missiles that we're going to be sending over there to him. And it's, uh, it's, it's not, not good stuff. I don't have any great insight on it if that's what you're asking. No,
2: I just wondering if you're paying attention. Anthony, I saw you, you, you put a something about the only people, you know, wanting war in Syria seems to be the mainstream media. I think I saw you post that on Facebook. Maybe it wasn't you, but I'm sure you agree with the sentiment anyway.
0: I was asking who agrees with the war in Syria apart from the mainstream media. Is there anybody? Well, I mean, Trump does, obviously, much against what he said he was going to do when he was on the campaign trail. Now, uh, so a friend of mine sent me a meme with um, John McCain being pictured with some well-known jihadi. Um I, I, and like he. Meanwhile, he's, uh, sh, he's, he's never seen a war that he didn't like. What's the deal with John McCain, man? Why does anyone take him seriously? Um, I, I I'm not. I think of, his
3: veteran status gets him a lot. Of well, I mean, kudos, I you
0: know? prefer people who weren't captured. So, <laughs> very Trumpian of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I mean, Mc- I, I don't know. McCain, you know, everyone always says that he's never seen a war he didn't like. Him and Lindsey Graham, all those guys. Um, so there's plenty of, plenty of guys in the, in the, I guess, right Well, you've wing. got Bolton
3: now uh, as national security advisor. Yeah, I mean, You've got the hawk of all hawks, the neocon <laughs> of all neocons as, as national security advisor, yeah?
2: I know, and I think yesterday the day before was his first day on the job. So conveniently coincides with <laughs> a fucking sarin gas attack in Syria, or uh, chlorine, I guess it was this time.
0: I mean, I know they say keep your friends close and your enemies closer, but I mean Bolton.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. It's scary as hell. I I don't get it. I, I, this is the this is the problem that I've always had the with Trump. Opposite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Jeff uh, few, Jeff's cousins like they're big. Uh, they were big into the Trump campaign, and I understood it because and they're 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 like us. They're libertarians, but I think it was kind of lesser of two evils, culture war kind of a thing for them, but. Okay. My problem was with with what with what they were saying was, was always this was like Trump has no guiding principles, so you know one day he's tweeting that Ron Paul was right about Afghanistan and Syria or or whatever it was, and then a few years later or a few days later in some instances it's the exact opposite. Now he's ready yeah. to go to war with uh, a nuclear armed uh, you know nation, you know Russia. And uh, also, and
1: also, you wonder with these guys like. All the other leaders, for the most part, that get in there, I assume, are just sympathetic or open to you know this uh, imperialistic approach that that America's had for for well over a hundred years. Um, but you wonder if like like a real outsider got in there, like you had to be curious and he really did want to go against the you know the Alex Jones deep state. Um, you know, what would he would he be able to accomplish that in anything? Would he be able to? Um like be effective now i don 't know if this is a case of Trump just not knowing any better or having to give in because of these pressures, you know for some reason yeah.
3: would but, he would he would he otherwise go for a, a ride down sniper alley in an open top car
0: yeah right, <laughs> yeah, and, well, the thing is I mean it's tactics like Trump signed this big spending bill, and he goes on twitter and t v and says i'm not happy with signing this bill it 's the last time i 'll do it blah blah blah, but I mean Okay, and people are meant to who and who voted for him are meant to be, believe that he's sincere saying that. Isn't that an old trick? You know, to be able to say, "I don't really want to do it, but they twisted my arm, so here I am." You know, signing this bill. Like, I don't know. I was critical. We were critical of Trump in the run-up to election. We were critical of him after election, and we have given credit where he's due. I glad of the tax cuts. If he really does reduce the number of regulations to 25,000 pages from 165,000, i thousand, I'll be very impressed. I doubt he will. But if he does anything good, I'm willing to give credit where his credit's due. But I think too many libertarians were too overzealous about Trump. I mean, Molyneux, he sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, from a guy who was saying... Uh, who who had the attitude that Molyneux had towards Ron Paul to to be backing Trump? I mean, I don't, I didn't, I didn't see where his great virtues were. I would love to see someone come in, but I mean, what can you do? See, well, his greatest
3: virtue was he wasn't Hillary Clinton, right? that, that that was it. Yeah. What
0: yeah. I mean, but what can you really do? You have to concede that democracy is actually a workable system. To believe that someone's going to get and then change things. And if you just look at public choice theory, I've got a great podcast called uh, uh, Why Do Mark Do Mar- Why Do Markets Work? Public versus Private, where I go through quite a lot of the arguments for why democracy is fundamentally flawed. Because essentially it's bribocracy at all times, you're appealing to groups to get 51% of people to um, loot the other 49%. And that's just the way the game is played. As soon as you have a government there, it makes more sense for big corporations to lobby the government instead of serving their customers. The government cannot be a referee in the market. The government is always going to be a player in the market, the most powerful player. So in order for someone like Trump to clean house or Ron Paul to clean house, you have to believe that the system is workable, and I sadly don't. I mean, try and cut anything, and watch the unions go absolutely nuts and hold the country to hostage, to ransom. How are you gonna? How are you gonna cut anything? The only thing that you can possibly do is like deregulate, hopefully, and we- and hope for the best. Hope that um, the private education will out surpass will become so cheap that it outperforms the public education and the same with the healthcare and even then you'll have a hard time deregulating mm-hmm. without all the uh, interests that benefit from those regulations saying you know oh poor people are going to be driving dying in the streets and so forth so
3: yeah, but the, good, the good news is Adam Kokesh is going to run for president. And when he gets in, he's just going to abolish the government. So,
2: oh, yeah, we can certainly look forward to that. Um, you know, I think I think you need look no further than the 2016 election to to know that, hey, if your choices are Clinton and Trump, democracy obviously is not working. I mean, that's yeah. that's all you really need to know for yep. that.
1: But yeah. um I I can't, I can't help but be sympathetic to some of the, some of the people that were so pro-Trump, like Justin Romando, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him and some of the the anti-war.com types. So, um, you know, anti-war.com, uh, it's right there in the name, but, uh, you know, they've been a pretty radical outpost, um, in the libertarian sphere for a while. Um, one of the very, very few and loud voices right after nine 11 immediately talking about, um, not getting bogged down in the Middle East, not giving in to the neocons, um, not buying the crock of shit that was the WMDs and and all that stuff. So, um, and he was banging the Trump drum, and I think he still is in a lot of ways, as loud and hard as anybody, and obviously stirring the pot a lot because everybody that he's come to associate with, all the people that have come to revere him, the majority of them were were um, you know uh, rapidly anti-Trump. Um, but it's, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, do you, do you do the the lesser of two evils or the preference, you know, thing I just heard, um, uh, Stefan Kinsella just saying, like, don't even say it's the lesser of two evils. Just say, like, I prefer Trump to Clinton. I, you know, I can, you think that you think Trump is getting us into war? Well, um, you know we might have been on the brink of World War Three if Clinton was in there. And, and it's it's, it's hard, it's hard to know which way it's gonna go. Yeah. Uh at this and and then you're talking about the budget thing. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right that um the best that you can hope for, unfortunately, is just a slowing of the pace of the growth of government, uh, and certainly no balancing of of budgets. And then so the question becomes uh long term, um you know, is it better? Is Is it realistic to expect that government's ever going to actually shrink and that you can get a a hold of this thing through at least through a democratic approach? Um, uh, or, you know, do you want to almost like accelerate its demise like 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 Greece and, and Puerto Rico? And it's funny, we have a little bit of both going on, I think, in the US where you have, we have Trump on the one hand, but then more locally in New Jersey. Um, uh, Murphy, our, our new governor is uh, he just took over, and every day i 'm getting updates he 's a big time um, you know I don't i don 't know if he 's a socialist in in the way that that you guys are used to, um, but it 's certainly shocking for us to see I just got an email yesterday uh, he 's trying to pass legislation to uh, eliminate the gender gap uh, in, right. in, in New Jersey. Um, and it's putting, well, that's going to be
3: difficult when it doesn't exist in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and you're, you're looking in there for where the teeth are. And of course, um, the one, the one thing they quote is like substantially, um, similar work. Right. And, and, um, Anthony, I think, uh, we've talked about this, but Jordan Peterson gets into how that, Concept alone makes it impossible to to sort of enforce stuff like that. And anyway, just absolutely exploding the budget. Um, no, it's
3: already no,
0: illegal to pay women less
3: than men. It's
1: already illegal. There's right, oh, discrimination already
3: discrimination. I think, in America. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we're we're getting both. Uh, my point is, we're getting, I think, both uh, experiments um, running concurrently. And and uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they they end with the with the same fate.
3: How do you, how would you how do you guys feel? What what would you think would have happened if Bernie Sanders had got the nomination? Do you think it would have even more a landslide for for Trump, or do you think it, it might have been a closer call? I
2: don't know. It's hard to say. I, I think May, Bernie could have won. I mean, the youth were were pretty behind him. I mean, that would have maybe. I, I don't know. The Hillary. Trump won was so close. Of course Hillary won the popular vote. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm really not sure. I mean any
1: any dipshit can win an election, I think. Uh, that's that's been proven. But the I, I will say for for all the the flaws of uh, the education system and just gen you know in general people here uh, on economics and stuff. Um I don't know if it's the the Berlin Wall or it's this at least the concept of free markets that that Sort of maintains a current in the u s but um, his economic ideas for most people, except for the youth uh, really were hammered pretty hard here, and even people that were sympathetic um, to what he was saying uh it, they even they often came back to i just don't you know the stuff he 's saying just doesn 't make sense and he would he would let he would talk about having too many options was a bad thing at a time when people have like an insane number of of uh, consumer options and are loving it more than ever. Amazon is just. I mean, just taken over and everyone just seemed, you know, willingly, everyone just seems to love everything that they have to offer. So I, I, I tend to think he would have gotten um, his ass kicked, but there was a lot of sympathy uh, for him because of the, the, uh, the frustration by the youth. And, and interestingly, it was similar to Trump. It's like they got, they split into one direction or the other. And I think this also gets to why uh, the LP and libertarians talk about, you know, Rand Paul um, and Gary Johnson and and maybe a missed opportunity to, uh, you know, get a
0: foothold. Absolutely. Well, I think that it wouldn't have been a good, it wouldn't have been a bad thing for Bernie Sanders to get his ass kicked because while you kick his ass, you're kicking his, his ideas ass. And the thing is, his ideas have not been publicly debated on that level. Um. Yeah, the Gary Johnson thing, I mean, it's so fucking embarrassing when Gary Johnson was on TV and he said, what do you think of Hillary Clinton? And he said, she's a wonderful public servant. I mean, talk about it too, Brutie. I mean, (laughs) what are you doing up there? At this time in history, at this fucking time in history, you can't say she's a warmonger, she's a hawk, she's going to get people killed. She believes in too much government. She's both too left-wing and too right-wing at the same time, which is true. And, um, you know, and say she's terrible and so is Trump terrible. Couldn't he have got a foothold in this period of history by saying both of your options are terrible, you need me to restore some sanity to this nation? What a fucking cuck. Yeah. (laughs) What a... It's, it's a wasted opportunity because he, he, he had. who's he kissing ass to who <laughs> who is he trying to impress by seeing that what a fucking dick I'm well so- and, then, and then of course you
2: have uh bill weld saying oh hillary she's a good kid you know and then he, he bill weld was even worse he endorsed her i think pretty much uh tacitly endorsed her on on one of the network shows i mean okay obviously we know the libertarians aren't going to win but jesus christ you endorsed the the democrat
1: you know, wasn't wasn't letters. wasn't Bill Weld like basically a neocon? Like he he was never he was. even the pretense of being a libertarian. He, he he was added on to the ticket for like fundraising purposes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, was, it was a very bizarre strategy that they took, and it it blew up in their in their face. And it's I,
0: almost I, like they were infiltrated or something like that. I mean, you know, it's it's weird because I don't know. See, would they ever let would they ever let someone credible get in? I mean. We hear about all sorts of stories. I'm not saying that this happened, but if the Libertarian Party starts growing, they're of course they're going to find ways to destroy it. We heard all these um, stories of people being out in protests and the Secret Services sending in people in balaclavas that were actually working for the Secret Services to create violence to give the police an excuse to respond. Do you really think that the powers that be would ever let any subversive movement grow without infiltrating it and causing fractionation you know causing it to break apart into factions and it's it's too much it's gone too far i don't know what the solution is i sound hopeless but i'm a long-term optimist i think technology is going to save us to a large degree i think the rise in standards of living are basically going to be our get out because when everything's 3d printed well, maybe
3: economically but do you, you think so uh you know like in terms true. of liberty in terms of personal liberty in, in terms
0: of personal liberty well it's kind of hard to keep people down when they're uh, materially abundant
2: that's true i don't know i think uh i think we I'll-
0: could just bomb everything so that we have to like create it all again could Could I do a,
2: that, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> that's, kinda, do, that's
2: the thing. I hope we avoid, but you're, you're right about that. But I don't know. I think in the long term, liberty is going to win out. But I think there will be pockets in the world that are way more free than others, just like it is now. And I think, I like, I don't know. I, w- I wonder if a place like China, which has slowly liberalized its economy, you know, I mean these. The, the Chinese are a force, and I'm wondering, you know, are the people there eventually going to, you know, really kind of demand more freedoms? I mean, we we know, I guess it was Tiananmen Square way back in the day, and that was kind of uh, put down, and I, I think they don't even know about it in China anymore. They don't even yeah. teach about it. But I, I'm wondering. I mean, they would. That would seem to be the place where they're like. In the middle of their industrial revolution and like the wealth is just starting to really rise over there. You, you know, you gotta wonder like, is freedom gonna pop up in, in places other than the West at this point? You know, but
1: that but that individual that individual power that you have more and more every day with technology, it becomes very difficult to rule uh from a government perspective. Do you I'm curious? Um, I well, I think I know the answer, but you guys have like zero guns over there, right? There's no culture whatsoever when it comes um, well, to firearms?
3: At, at one time, we had uh, a freedom with, with weapons that would have made Texas blush. I mean, uh, there was, I think it's only relatively recently in our history that that we really started to come down. It. There's different reasons for that. Um, I'm not saying mines is the definitive reason, but I think one of the reasons they came down it is they were scared of a right-wing revolution from fascists in the, in the, the 30s. Um, and they looked at Oswald Mosley in the black shirt as some sort of private army. So the, they, you know, the Public Order Act came in, and I think they wanted to disarm people, you know, because they they feared the kind of revolution. But yeah, gentlemen used to be able to have a pistol, and there was there was one famous case in London where there was a bank robbery, and uh, the police borrowed weapons from passers-by to take on the the bank robbery. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the one time we did have, uh, we had fairly liberal gun laws in the UK. Now um, it's pretty much restricted. If you're a member of a gun club, you can have like a small target pistol. Um, You can have uh, shotguns if you're a farmer or a landowner. Uh, but you certainly can't have firearms and access to firearms the way that you have in the United States. However, that doesn't stop things. The recently murder uh, murder rate in London has just overtaken New York for the first time in years. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, but it's knife crime as well as gun crime. But there have been shootings. There's been shootings in Manchester. And the, uh, when Sandy Hook happened, the very same day, there was somebody shot in Glasgow in Scotland. But you didn't hear much about that in the in the newspapers. And there was a guy not far from us here who was discovered with two Scorpion submachine guns and 1,500 rounds of ammunition. And that's in a country with tight gun control. So the idea that by having tight gun control, you can stop shootings or you can stop people getting firearms is just ludicrous. But Tam, no one needs an assault rifle. Sorry, you were about to say
1: Yeah, no, I was just um so the reason that I I, I ask is because you'd mentioned 3D printing before and something yeah. that I just hammer every time um, you know, the gun debate is raging here, which is which is constant. Um you know and they're talking about gun confiscation which is hilarious uh, i'm curious to know how they handle that there in in the 30s but you know here the estimates um are somewhere in a range of 400 to 500 million uh private firearms and obviously those are not evenly dispersed throughout the population it's um, mostly in the hands of of one uh, political group and, and not any other. And they uh, tend to be quite uh, adept at, at using them. But I always hammer the point about the 3D printing and Cody Wilson. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, know his name, but um, he's the one that sort of has been um, pioneering. Um, yeah. and, and he's, he's quite a radical anarchist and he's got a great book. And um, But, you know, he, he creates these plans and are open source and, and um, actually sells – he manufactures and sells the kits in order to make – your own guns uh, at home, and the price yes. is just dropping and dropping and dropping. And this is going to become a political reality, like mm. really, really soon. And when anybody yeah. at home, when everybody's got 3D printers for anything and everything that they're using at the house, and it's one of those technologies is that that may transform like all of society, the whole world. Banned, um, banned and
3: 3D printers,
1: <laughs> and and you could just you could just you know spin off a, a gun in an, in an afternoon. The idea of having a gun-free society is ludicrous. We're just going to have to come to terms with the fact that everyone's got weapons. Yeah. And, then yeah. that, and then that puts pressure on the government who now needs to accept the fact that, I mean, not that we don't have uh, police um, brutality issues here. We, we, we absolutely sure. do. But, All the but I
0: couldn't reason have, why
3: you shouldn't I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's two ludicrous. As you say, it's easy to make these things. You, know, you can knock one up in about an hour or whatever in your 3D printer. But the idea, you know, gun gun controls, you know, is 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 basically gun monopoly. Only two, only two forces in society will have the guns: the criminals and the the government. And then your ordinary citizen in between will have will have neither the ability to tackle the criminal or the government or both at the same time. So he's so your ordinary citizens citizens left defenseless against those two forces. So it's it's it is an absurdity to to say that you know you you can control weapons. I mean, you've been the trying to control drugs for the last uh, you know how's 50 years or so and you know where how is yeah. that going you, know, you can't get drugs for love nor money can you you know, what a yeah. great success story that the war on drugs has been
0: the gun control debate is basically by be, between utopians who live in fairy tale unicorn land where if the government makes something illegal it stops bad people from doing bad things and realists who uh, who are able to go look you're never there's You can't do anything to stop some people doing crazy things. The best you can do is be prepared in case it happens. That's the realistic view. There is no utopia in reality. It only exists in the human mind. There are only conditions. Either you respond to the conditions of reality or you retreat into this fairy tale dreamland where if the government says no guns, suddenly bad people Don't get guns. The truth is obvious. Only good people won't have guns. I mean, I
3: think you, but you guys in the states, what you do have on your side is you have the constitution. It's written there in black and white. You have the absolute yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, but you have at least that the absolute right to to bear arms. Whereas that was never really, uh, that was never a constitutional thing in the UK. Yeah, so. That that's what, where you have an advantage there. Um, yeah. But we we, you know, I always say to people here in Scotland, if you look at the, the clearances, I don't know if you're familiar with what I mean by the clearances, but the clearing out of vast uh, areas of land and the moving of populations you know, all those Scottish people that you find in Canada and America were kicked off the land in Scotland by their own landlords with government assistance and partly the reason that it was facilitated is because the population were disarmed they lacked the ability to defend themselves from the predations of their landlords and the government you know so they had no means of actually defending themselves against that uh so and anyway, you this this happened that's a fact you know people always assume that the government's going to be benign you know, they they never actually think that they got. And that's why the, you know, those guys who wrote the Constitution were fully aware of that. You know, it's not about shooting a turkey for Thanksgiving. It's about defending yourself from the valley militias that were designed to protect you.
2: Yeah. no, no And, uh, you know, Anthony mentioned, you know, people have this utopian view. Yeah, I think I think that goes across all different. Uh, not only the gun issue. I remember a, a friend I was talking to a few years back. Who we were talking about the Patriot Act, the NSA, all the spying and stuff. And this mentality that some people have, which is just like, hey, man, I got nothing to hide. So if you don't have anything to hide, why do you care? You know, I mean, yeah. I let, let them let them look into my shit. They could check my bank accounts. They could follow my, my phone calls. And, you know, it's that mentality that, hey, as long mm-hmm. as uh, the government makes the law, I'm going to follow it because obviously they are benign. They are doing it for um, – yeah. For good reasons. And, you know, when you think about the gun thing, it's like, hey, man, you know, there are criminals. So, you know, there are people out there who are not uh, following this law. So why would you want to disarm yourself? Why would you want to mm-hmm. be the one who has to depend on picking up the phone and waiting 15 minutes, 30 minutes to for a cop to come? By then you're mm-hmm. dead. You know, what What are you going to do? You can't you, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't uh, go after a guy with a pistol when he, you know, with a knife, yeah. you know, you can't do Self-defense it.
0: Self-defense is the most provable natural right, because not only do we see it here, it's all across the animal kingdom, <laughs> you know, as the most fundamental right. You you just appear here out of nowhere. You're alive. Your life is the most precious thing you have. You have the right to defend it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And now, and Tom,
1: um, uh, Tom, you mentioned... um. The, the constitution and I've actually flipped on this uh as as well because um like you talk about free speech you talk about the Senate, second amendment that's one and two right there and I mean one you can view the constitution as just a, you know a worthless piece of paper that's not going to restrict government in practice and obviously I mean I think um uh judge Napolitano here pointed out like within 10 minutes of the thing getting signed they were working to undermine it right it wasn't even yeah. it took it took a long time. Um and the and the Bill of Rights, you know you, the the Constitution um laid out explicitly, or at least it was supposed to, what rights the government had. And then anything not listed in there was reserved for the states and the people. And so uh, the Bill of Rights seemed to like flip that a little bit where it's like, no, no, now we're, now we're identifying what the rights of the people are. And it's sort, sort of implied, oh, well, it, it, it doesn't say that we can't do this. So it opened the door yeah. uh, to more government If people make that case. However, the fact that it says the government shall create no law uh, mm-hmm. bridging the freedom of speech and the second amendment, which gets debated what it really means to no end, but you're, I think you're right. That law was created. And, and I think more people are starting to make this, this point. And I wish they would. It's not about uh, even defending yourself from a criminal, uh, which you do definitely have your, your right yep. to do. It's not about shooting a Turkey. It's about fighting back against a tyrannical, government and yeah. maybe you won't win um but the idea that you have an armed populace is I, I can guarantee you it's something that the government is aware of and they think about when they try to get um you know aggressive in a, in a particular way it's why waco was such a big deal here in, in yeah. texas and and it goes for the first amendment too and anytime um you know a, a, a law has been taken to the supreme court challenging the first amendment they've and to their credit they've almost always upheld the first amendment. Um, and I think that's, you know, how critical those two freedoms are, uh, those two amendments, I think have gone a long way to holding down the fort, um, culturally at least in, in the U S.
2: Yeah. And you got, um, you have all the, a lot of liberals and progressives will say, Oh yeah, you're going to overthrow the government with some pistols. Like, you know, but look at them, they have tanks, they have all of this stuff, but you know, I mean, uh this is this would be asymmetric warfare. And we know that um, and I'm not advocating this, but I'm just saying we know that we know what happened to Vietnam, we know what's happening in Afghanistan right now. Yeah. The United States government is not very good at asymmetric warfare, they don't know how to handle it when they're going in with tanks and people are shooting at them with rifles from behind a tree. It just yeah. you know they, they it's not as easy as you know, people make it sound like, oh, you can just... It's
0: just, it's, anyway, first and foremost, it's a deterrent, you know. It's going to make it
3: costly for anyone to yeah. uh, to enforce their will upon you. Of and- course, the supreme irony is that most of the people who go around saying that Trump's Hitler are the same people that wanted, want him to take away people's guns. Like, what the... F- yeah, you know? how about that? If he is Hitler, then whatever you do, don't let him take your guns off you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Absolutely.
3: So, um,
2: you guys know a lot about what the hell's going on over here. Uh, do you guys follow it a lot? I mean, is is it, is it, is it important to, to the people in Scotland? I, I'm just curious, or are you
3: just generally interested? Is that typical? It's a, yeah, it's a little, it's a little alarming. Well, it's, I mean, like America's a global player, you know? So, I mean, the, most of our press, most of our media are, are, you know, report on stuff continually from the United States. I mean you, you come from a country that's that's huge, you know, and you've got a shit ton huge. just just to just to learn about your own your own state. I mean Texas is, is massive in of itself. So I mean they used to say years ago like you know the people generally would comment that they found Americans quite ignorant on 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 global politics compared to Europeans. But I think in fairness that's changed a lot. Mm. And in fairness, America, you know, it's such a huge I mean, like for me to go to uh to France or to Germany or to Italy is just like you guys going to another state, you know. So it's the it's we have everything, we have so many different countries on our back door. It it's easy, it, it's it's just much easier to to absorb this kind of stuff. And of course, all the movies, uh all the major stuff that we see is it all comes comes out of America. So it, it creates an interest and it creates a, a knowledge of, of all yeah. things American. Also, as people with an interest in politics,
0: history, economics. But and I mean, so just forth. generally. Uh, but, you know, America sneezes, the world catches a cold, yeah. so to speak. So we've got that best interest. It might be that we're inordinately geeky. Uh, as well, um, but you know, uh, also as libertarians, most of the media is coming out of America, so that's our frame of reference.
3: And know? if you if you guys get involved in a war, generally speaking, we're going to get involved in it as well. You know, that's been the that's been the the modus operandi so far. And it looks like, despite the fact our prime minister, uh, well, i saying our prime minister, the British prime minister, Theresa May, despite the fact that she's no fan of Donald Trump. It looks like she's going to follow hard on the heels of whatever he's doing, well, and it, commit British troops and commit uh, you know British forces to Syria as well. And it looks like she might be going to do it without uh, recalling Parliament to get Parliament's permission to do it. She might just do it off her own bat. It's almost like the timing is too convenient. Hmm. But
0: the interesting thing is, it is the thing that everyone falls into line with. You couldn't get moving on the media here for criticism of Trump. They don't even call him President Trump on the media. Donald Trump is visiting in the UK today. I listen to that, I go, President Trump. And this is, as a libertarian, as an anarchist who's very irreverent of government. And the reason why is they would never say Barack Obama's... uh, They wouldn't even say George Bush's... Visiting the UK, they would say President Bush. They won't even call him President. Anyway, but when it comes to war, oh, oh, all of a sudden everyone falls into line. Everyone wants to rub their hands with glee. It's like we live in a parallel fucking universe to the people on TV.
3: I mean, even the left wing press here have fallen into line. Oh my goodness. Newspapers that you would, you know, that years and years ago you would have. Guaranteed, you know, would have been, uh, would have questioned any military intervention, like the Guardian, for example, the Manchester Guardian. That was in the past, you know, uh, anti Vietnam War, you know, and anti uh, the Suez uh, crisis uh, when we get involved in Suez. These are, but these are newspapers now that just seem to have, are absolutely bereft of any kind of challenging or questioning. Of uh, of any reasoning why we would be getting involved in in, a, in another war in Syria.
1: Well and the first the first big moment um that I can recall where a lot of the uh the the liberty minded certainly the non-interventionist types that supported Trump really lost their shit um was uh when he dropped that Moab bomb in in Syria right? Um, and and that gets cited uh to, to the response just as you're saying um that was the first time that he was referred to as like presidential and he was a leader uh and yeah. You know, uh, the mainstream, whatever, on both sides, they all came out in in support. So, you know, they show their true colors pretty quickly. And I wish that would be highlighted more or at least realized, um, you know, by
0: people more quickly. Who do they have credibility with? I mean, this is the thing. Who are all of the people? There must be millions of people who follow this shit and take it for granted and go along with it. But I can't find them.
2: I think there. Is, I mean, well, first of all, I, I think I heard the other day that this, the average age for CNN viewers is like 67 or something insane like that. So right. these are definitely like pre generation X, I would say, people, you know, baby boomers. Uh, I, and I think. Those are the only people who are really paying attention to the mainstream media at this point in in the large numbers. But they're the ones who still have the money and they have the numbers, too. I mean, the the problem here in in New Jersey, um, where Jeff and I grew up specifically, there's a lot of old people, you know, and they they like run the politics where we Mm, live because they just they just overwhelm us with their numbers and and they believe in the system. They're not yeah. apathetic to the system. So they're voting for whatever they want. So
3: well, that's that's interesting you say that because I've noticed in the Zuckerberg thing, um well, you know, the, the, the Zuckerberg thing that's going on, there's a congressional uh, inquiry. All those dudes on the that are questioning them are all in like in their 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 50s. And that apparently I read that this is probably on average, this is the, the oldest uh Congress for like 50 years or something like that. You know, the, the average age of those dudes is pretty high and they had no clue when they were at, I mean, I don't have a clue. I don't use Facebook. I've never used Facebook, but even I knew some of the shit, you know, one of the congressmen asked Zuckerberg, um, you know, you, you, you don't charge for your, you know, for your Facebook services. Is that a viable business model? How do you propose to get money? And he's like, uh we, we do advertising. <laughs> you know? So, and even I knew that, but these people seemed clueless and that that's, that that that's that's bizarre, you know. Has, to me,
1: has he seen the Super Bowl?
3: Something
1: <laughs> about about commercial uh, uh, revenue? This is where um, I don't know. Uh, have you guys ever seen the show on HBO, Veep?
3: Yeah, that's uh, Armando Iannucci. Yeah, he he wrote that. He wrote. He's a political satirist here in this country, and so he was behind that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well there yeah. well there you go. And and maybe you're familiar I'm not familiar
3: with any of his other work, but um i well, the um, thick of it and there was a movie he'd done with James gandolfini where the name escapes me, but it'll come to it, but that I'm of I'm of the opinion though that
1: uh, I wish the show was a little more popular, but it's it's pretty um, it, it was pretty well watched. Uh, I, I don't. There are a few shows I've watched that are more effective in just making government look just at every level without exception yeah. p- more pathetic and evil and self serving, um, and <laughs> they have a. Uh, uh the the one character is afraid of getting uh pulled in front of a congressional committee um and the lawyer is telling him like uh what's like what, what would happen and he said and if they think you're going down you get what they call corpse fucking and he's like jesus corpse fu-. He's like that's what it's called he's like everybody wants to make their political point everybody want they they're, they think you're going down and they want to uh they want the the sound clip and and that's yeah. what i think a lot of what you're seeing is you got these old fucks on tv um they're they're pandering to their their old fuck base they don't understand any of this stuff and even if they did they just want to save the thing so that they get the good clip uh and so that they can take the credit and get the and get the boost right from, from facebook's uh and, and i view it as like a, a pro wrestling thing like zuckerberg isn't some like great pro, pro liberty guy uh i imagine these guys like you know meeting in the back room before and after like talking about how when i'm gonna come down hard on you and this thing and yeah, I, right obviously right. i don't think it's that direct but uh i don't think it's that far off either. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah.
2: grandstanding. I mean, they, they don't have, there's no actual like legal weight behind these hearings. It's just, let let me make my points in, in public so everyone can see how their tax dollars are getting spent. That's really what it, yeah. what it ultimately comes down to. Yeah. I mean, maybe it leads to some kind of legislation in the future. But the, as far as the hearings go, there's there's nothing behind it as far as the teeth of government. Yeah.
3: So. I mean, like it's interesting you mentioned the WWF because that, that's exactly what my thoughts were. I'm mean, on record as saying that when we done our Trump Clinton analysis, that to me it just looked like WWF. You know, it's just it's just sounding off, and I'm gonna, you yeah, know, I'm gonna pace the floor with you, and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. But as soon as it, you know, but they're all behind the scenes; they're all on the same team. Donald you know? Trump was
0: at that the we- uh, Clinton's wedding, or some.
3: Something. Yeah, but, I mean, the, 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 the uh, Trump cl- uh, bankrolled, I'm sure, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, he was a he,
1: Democrat. He was a Democrat yeah, his whole life.
3: absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's bizarre. But I urge you, if you like Veep, I urge you to check out, there's a British uh, comedy series called um, The Thick of It, and that's by Armando Iannucci, who, who's behind the Veep thing. And that's, if you want an insight, a same kind of uh, vicious insight into the the, the the British political system that that's a good uh, it's a good insight into it
2: yeah I mean there's definitely some clips of parliament that seem pretty WWF-ish
3: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, but, well it's the only thing is we, we the, the certain parliamentary proprieties that they still observe here in the UK so you, you you can't really call people out in the way you would for example in the Australian parliament the Australian parliament's brilliant because they just they just go for it you know there's none of this. The right honourable gentleman. It's just got that bloody mongrel from New South Wales is an effing liar. You know, like, so, yeah, they just cut loose. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So
2: um I know uh you mentioned Theresa May before. I think this is like a good segue because yeah. Jeff and I have talked a lot about secession when the Catalonia thing was happening, and during that episode, we uh we did mention like the Scottish independence vibe that has existed in the past, maybe exists in some form now. But I'm just curious. I, I heard that the Scots were, in general, very against Brexit. Um, so, so what's the lay of the land over there in regards um, to Brexit?
0: About two thirds, I would say, were for staying in the European Union. Roughly, maybe slightly more than that.
3: It's complex. It's not. It's not straightforward. The the the, the Scottish National Party, who are in power in Scotland, um, are on paper, the pro independent pro-Scottish Independence Party. But they, they're not. They don't believe in independence, really. What they believe is a power transferal from Westminster to Brussels. And they were, they were they're a pro-European party. However, the broad base of their support, their, their party members, of any party in the UK, there was more SNP members voted for Brexit than against it. Even though they're a pro europe they're a pro-European party, so it's kind of messy, you know um and the, the 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 waters were muddied. there was this idea that if we vote if Scotland voted for uh, to to remain in Europe and England voted to break away, then that would give us a pretext for a second referendum in Scottish independence. So a lot of people voted for it, not because they were particularly pro-EU, but because they thought they would get a second referendum out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. and wh- when was that referendum? Uh, I mean, that was fairly recently, right? And, Which and one? Was it the, a-
3: the, the European one or the, the, the Scottish independence the one? Sc- Scottish independence, sorry. Uh, it's about three, years four, so, uh, three, four uh, years ago European now, Europe. something like that, yeah.
2: And it was pretty close? What was the, the outcome? Yeah, it was about forty. 40- 45, Forty-five, fifty-five, 55. something the, like that.
3: And
0: I'd say the media was largely against um, Scottish independence. It's a really toss-up here because if you're a libertarian, because there's a case both ways, which is that Scotland's quite red, and a lot of libertarians are worried about um, them turning Scotland into the. Um, what, a socialist hellscape. A socialist hellscape. <laughs> uh, I think that's probably overstated because the policies here would be quite tight. Like, for example, if we tried to have much higher corporation tax than England, all the businesses would just skip to England. So we would have to copy England on a lot of fiscal policies. Um, there's the other uh, angle, which is smaller is better. And you were mentioning before, um, you know, pockets of freedom. A lot of people... If they've got the means, will be. I've been moving to Monaco or Liechtenstein or these like micro states for more freedom. Um, I don't know. It's really, it's really a tough call. Um, the thing is, it's at the end of the day. It's like it's gonna be. It's still you're gonna be still under the whip of collectivism, even if we break away. But is it
3: better if that whips a little bit closer to you? Yeah, I mean, I had I had, I had mixed feelings. It took, I had a lot of agonising because I've been pro pro Scottish independence most of my life, and when it came to the to the crunch and it was a yes or no vote to to either remain in the UK or come out, I, I had that dilemma about. It's not. This is not independence. You know that they are not. They are not going to make Scotland independent. They are just going to sell our sovereignty to the EU. What do I do here? And it, I think you know the the, the question was, uh, do you think Scotland should be an independent country? Uh, and the only answer I could reasonably give to that was yes. Even though I knew there was a there was an agenda behind that actually not to give us independence but to get to hook up with the EU or remain in the EU. So it was frustrating and it still is. But I I, I believe in independence. Unfortunately, the Scottish National Party don't believe in independence. And I guess
0: I think that I'm not. I'm not strong. I'm not strongly in favor of Scottish independence or against it. I think that whatever it's going to happen anyway, or because the young people are overwhelmingly in favor of it. So it's just really a matter of time now. It's again the thing with the old folks dying off, and when you were talking about that in New Jersey, I was like, oh great! So we have a choice between the old folks who are like invested in the system and warhawks, and these youngsters who are all a bunch of socialists. Great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah yeah it's it's scary i mean when you think about the bernie sanders movement uh it definitely disheartened me because it reminded me a lot of when i was in college that was the ron paul movement you know and, mm. and it there was a lot of mirror imaging going on there and it was like holy shit like was i just some idealistic idiot who just got caught up in something as well,
0: mm.
2: I've, well I've examined that and i don't think that's the case but uh yeah. you know
0: Well, here's the thing. It's like at this point in history, how much more flagrant could you be with your evidences? You've seen the rise in standards of living in China and India since they've moved more towards free market, Bangladesh, even Indonesia. And then you've seen stultification in countries in Africa where you can't... um, start a business without applying for a license that might take three years and without bribing everyone left and center you've seen the um difference between protectionists like where hong kong and singapore used to be as poor as africa now they have the highest per capita incomes in the world Uh, estonia out of all of the um former eastern bloc country is the most wealthy. The reason why it's the most wealthy is because uh, they had a prime minister who saw the Milton Friedman documentaries, Free to Choose. Chile is the least poor country in South America. The reason why it's the least poor is because it's the most free market. Sadly, that might be on the reverse now. What more evidence do you need? Like, you could be excused for having these lefty views before the YouTube um, you know, became, before all the information became available, all through the 80s under Thatcher and Reagan. Like, okay, everything that went wrong was blamed on capitalism because they, they made a pro-capitalist rhetoric. People didn't have access to the same information. And also you, we were 30 years along. We can see 30 years more of evidence. How long is it gonna take for the tide to turn on this nonsense?
2: Well, I think that's why we do what we do, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we are woke, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, but uh, there's still a lot of people who aren't. There's still a lot of people who buy the narrative that uh, they teach you in public school, which is like, but for benevolent government, you would be, uh, you know, eating mud from a spoon and your yeah. your, ch- your children would be working in a
0: sweatshop, you we know? You
1: got Venezuela and a lot, you know oh but that's
0: I, not real it, communism yeah that's not, not real, real socialism. Well, that's, that's, that's not real socialism <laughs>
1: but uh y- you know, there even even with Venezuela, uh, a lot of the coverage was unbelievable in the way that they were trying to portray it as positive, or or like if you look yeah. on Twitter, yeah. um, some of the and I know they get highlighted, and it's probably not a majority because I think even for them, it's tough to defend what's going on there. It's just absolutely horrific, but uh, they still it still existed. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, again, I thought
3: it was, it was quite hilarious recently. Did you hear that the the the, the uh, vice president of uh, Venezuela? He blamed the fact that there was food shortages on the people were just eating too much. Wow.
0: That's almost <laughs> like that's almost <laughs> like something out of like a horror story that we used to hear about the Soviet Union that wow that actually happened. Yeah. And good news, I hear that Ayn Rand is selling incredibly well in India. There you India go. Indians are very, very interested in her ideas now that they they're a rising industrial power and individualism. Uh, and I think it suits And to a degree, because they've got this um, tech stuff and like, yes, I can be heroic and uh, I can have a business startup and uh, I can get my family out of poverty and so forth. But it's strange because it's such a collectivist culture as well. Um,
2: I don't know if anybody read. um, Oh, sorry, man. Go ahead.
0: No, no, I was done.
2: Did anybody read uh, Dear Reader by any chance by Michael Malice? Um, It's... The book, uh, the North Korea, uh Kim Jong-il, autobiography. Uh, no,
3: I no, bought autobiography. a copy for my friend's birthday, but okay. I've not read it. The, the problem I have with Michael, and I, I could be wrong, but I've seen him interviewed a couple of times, and I saw him on Dave Rubin's show, and he seemed to have a callous disregard for the people who gave him information while he, while he was there in North Korea. You know, he spoke about, you know, his, uh, you know, people who were in his entourage and said, oh, they told me this and they told me that. And you think, dude, do you realize these people are probably going to get fucked over now? Because you're, you're kind of, you know, yeah, you know, that did
2: cross my mind as well. I was like, I wonder, I wonder, uh, you know, if, if North Korean officials are watching
3: this. Yeah. Um, yeah, He he seemed to have a kind of um, just like almost a sociopathic disregard for, for the people who gave him all this information and the people who, who facilitated them.
1: I have, yeah. I have to wonder if, if he doesn't have a reason for being confident about that. Cause I have heard him talk a number of times okay. about what, he, about, cause he's an anarchist and he'll talk about North Korea saying like, look, all I want for the people there, uh, is for them to just be like the kids to be like annoying, like lazy teenagers. And I want them to just have normal lives and what's going on there is horrific, an open air prison. Right. And he talks about how like he thinks all the time about, like you mentioned the guide, um, you know, she's still there and will be there with the same clothes and the same role and the same perspective, having no idea what a scorpion is. Um, and that's something that that sort of drives him. But, yeah, yeah I mean, it's a good,
3: it's a good question yeah. how Because you, you can't even live, according to Michael Malice himself, you don't even get to live in the capital city. No. Unless it's, your it's pretty- family's been checked out generation. Yeah. And it it's for sure. and
1: it's for show. It's for bringing in these, uh, you know, tourists and I guess dignitaries and, you know, um, yeah. from oh, from other countries. Sure. Well, I, I brought up the North Korea thing
2: only because in that book, there is yeah. a portion, a portion when um when the famines were happening. And, you know, Kim Jong Il basically was like, listen, man, we need to. uh Start start eating only two meals a day because all those fat fucks over in America. We don't want to become like them, and like that's how he sold the famine. (laughs) Was hey man, we're better than them because we only need to eat twice a day. Uh, Like that was the real the real propaganda about it. So Mm -hmm. related to Venezuela, I
0: mean. Yeah, and it's they, like the we don't have concentration camps in North Korea because we don't call them concentration right. camps. They right. It's like sense. they don't
3: have gangsters in Malmo in Sweden. But yeah, the, the, the I heard something weird about North Korea. And I don't know if, I don't know if this is true, but uh, I'm sure somebody will, will make a comment and tell me whether it is or not. I've heard that North Korea is one of the only countries in the world where people have their dessert before they have their their main. They have like the sweet dish first. You know, more most, most people have the savory dish and then you have the sweet dish. I've heard well, North- no wonder oh, you yeah, exactly. got if you, if you, If you, if you, if you what- think the secret police are going to come through your door at any minute, you want to get the best part of your meal over with, I suppose. <laughs> but I don't, know. I don't know if that's true, but it seems funny to me. I have no idea. Well, why the true. truth get in the way of a funny story? <laughs> but I
0: mean, like, if, they, if they don't even know what order to eat their food in, of course <laughs> they're not going to know how to run a democracy.
2: Yeah, or how many meals a day to eat, you know. <laughs> now now, now,
0: now he's being callous. <laughs> you have to <laughs> laugh or you'll cry. Oh, exactly.
2: oh yeah, it's it's it is freaking terrible over there. It really is. But uh so you mentioned Africa too. Now am, am I correct, uh
3: Tom? Did you live in South Africa at some point? Uh no, that's a rumor put about by Anthony here. <laughs> no, oh. I I loved I loved I did I I was brought up in Central Africa, which is, which is now Zambia. Um, at one time, it was northern Rhodesia. You have the, when it was colonial times, you had the Federation of Northern Rhodesia and Nyasaland. So those countries are now Zambia in the north, Zimbabwe in the south, and Malawi over on the, the eastern side. So I was brought up in Zambia. My dad worked in the copper mines there um, when I was a kid. Uh, and I've spent some time in East Africa. In fact, I've, I've I've traveled most of sub-Saharan Africa. The only countries I haven't been to there are Botswana, and I think Burundi is the other. The only other ones I haven't been and and, and no, I've been to DRC as well. So yeah, I've been I've i kicked around that part of the world, and I've been to South Africa, but I wasn't brought up there.
2: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. got you. Okay, sorry about
3: that. No, it's okay. I-
2: um it's uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you guys been following all the, the stuff going on in South Africa though?
3: Yeah, um in, in terms of what in terms of white flight or the or the white genocide or there was the horrible or, things going on or in just Indian- in terms of the of the new presidency?
2: I guess everything. I mean, I guess the, yeah. the, the thing that I've been uh kind of paying attention to, I mean not too much, but I, I see the uh the land expropri- expropriation, the um right. Basically, uh state takeover of the land without compensation.
0: Um, yeah, there's much worse things going on than state taking land. I mean, people are being murdered and things like that. I mean, uh, Lauren Southern is covering it. I don't watch her channel very often, um, but a friend of mine put me on to it. There's, it's absolutely horrendous what's going on. Much much worse than people's properties being taken, babies being killed, and um, all sorts of fucked up. Yeah, yeah, there's there's
3: been thousands of white farmers killed. Thousands literally since and brutally, yeah, not just yeah. killed but like brutally at, you know. But there's a I don't get you know, again. This is, you know, short-term memory. You think didn't South Africa look to its neighbor to the north and say, "Oh, that's what happens when you you, expropri- you appropriate land." You know, Zimbabwe when, when it was Rhodesia, it was, it was the breadbasket of Africa it fed the rest of Africa. You know, the, the farm the farm, agriculture in Zimbabwe was amazing. You know, 10 years after Robert Mugabe took over and they started to take the farms away from, uh, from white farmers, uh, the, the place went to rat shit and they had famine and people were starving. They couldn't even feed themselves, never mind the export grain. You would think that the regime in South Africa would notice that and say, well, let's not do that here but I think they're clamped. I mean, they, they believe that they
0: can do a better job of it. If I was maybe. white and I lived there, I'd like get the hell out, like go yeah. to Europe, get, and and I've i heard, I don't know if it's true, that, um, that European nations in America won't take these people uh, as refugees and things like that. Jesus Christ, if that's true, that's the most worst thing ever. I know it's hard to leave your ancestral, to be honest, if those people, the people who are native there want to run it, let them run it, get the hell out, I'm sorry. I know that the white people are native yeah, exactly. there, there as well, <laughs> yeah. but um, some I don't know. It's just like we should just get our hands out of there. Uh, so, and, and I know this sounds very uh, collectivist of me, um, uh, including those people as we because they're white or you're or they've got European ancestry, but. If I if I was the rest of the world, I wouldn't touch Africa. I would let Africa do Africa. We can trade with them. We can sell them our stuff. And so far, I don't think. I mean, yeah, you can say uh, Europeans have brought over technology and things like that, um, which has been helpful. But I don't know if the Western influence has just sowed division and created a perpetuation of problems there. But I know that one thing that. always enriches both parties, is trade. So I think if we're going to do anything with Africa, it should be free trade and encourage them to adopt policies of free trade um, yeah. and to uh, encourage them to adopt capitalism. And the best way for us to do that would be for us to fucking adopt capitalism because uh, we've gone a long way yeah. from being a
3: free market nation ourselves. I mean, it's interesting that in Zimbabwe, the new the new premier of zimbabwe has stated um and don't get me wrong that, that don't get me wrong this guy's a gangster as well I and mean, he was one of robert Mugabe's right hand thugs but he has stated at least uh, on record that he's going to honor and respect property rights he said he's going to do that and there has been some moves to 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 give uh you know to to give land back to farmers that had lost it in zimbabwe and it's just the contrast of Cyril Ramaphosa in, in South Africa turning around and saying that he's going to do the, the the exact opposite. And and Ramaphosa is a strange one because he's a he's a very very wealthy man. He's one of South Africa's uh, richest men. He's a billionaire. Uh, yet he's he he came up in the armed wing of the ANC, um, and uh, the same guy was responsible for the the killing of the miners at one of them. I don't know if you remember that a few years back there was a strike in one of the mines in South Africa and Cyril Ramaphosa was uh, was instrumental in getting the police involved to to shoot they probably shot more miners that day than happened at the Sharpeville massacre, massacre under apartheid the world was largely silent on it um so he uh, he's he's a he's a complex guy a strange guy do I think things are going to get better in South Africa anytime soon? Unfortunately, not.
1: And uh, if you want, Tony, we could probably link to it. Um, the wonders of YouTube. Um yeah. Just not being uh, familiar with like the full history there, and, and some of Lauren Southern's videos have helped. I think she's coming out with a, if it's not out already, a full documentary um, about her time there and and what's going on. Um, and of course, yeah. Western media is mostly silent on it. But you can watch those um, political, uh, I guess debates um or is a parliament i don't i don't know what their form of government is or what they call their um you know the the, the form of government yeah. but um where they're explaining they're they're not masking it they're saying yeah. um you know th- this is about uh the expropriation of land from from white farmers uh it must be about that um i t- i tell you what well we won't basically saying we won't murder you if you give us our land uh, yeah. and voluntarily.
0: If, uh, yeah,
1: yeah voluntarily and if you resist us well then uh well i don't know i mean we'll I guess we'll see see what happens um it's pretty wild to watch these guys in suits yeah. in color um in TV, talking talking this way um and then you know you juxtapose that with um the way that the media is either not covering it uh, or when they do cover it um you know they just they leave out um you know what the what the entire story yeah. is but that that background that you just provided was uh was great because yeah. I'm pretty ignorant on, on the history
3: well and it's interesting you know when you when you talk to leftists in this country who are very pro uh immigrant and very or at least ostensibly pro immigrant and pro uh refugee and he's and you know they roll out the red the the red carpet for uh, you know guys coming here from Syria and Libya and all that you know guys of fighting age who come here and say that they're that they're uh, that they're refugees, um, and you children. know yeah yeah exactly uh, you know the beards you know beards down here and they're going yeah I'm a I'm a child I'm nineteen 16. Years old. <laughs> yeah all that kind of jazz. And the, these these people roll out the red carpet that. And when you ask these people, when you confront them, and you say, "Well, look, if if, if five thousand white Afrikaners were moving here to Scotland, would you throw roll out the red carpet for them?" And most of them are quite you know blatant about it. Go, no, we wouldn't. You know, or if it was five thousand right wing Israelis, would you do it? No, we wouldn't. You know, so it's not it's not just about being good to refugees. It's about a, a certain agenda that they have um to bring people here who they think are going to be conducive to their policies. Right. I, know that the, I know that the SNP government here in Scotland have embarked on a fact-finding mission. Um and they've been asking uh immigrant families here and refugee families how they can bring more. You know, how how can we how can we wh- what sort of policies can we introduce that will make more refugees and more immigrants want to come here? Um, and the only thing I can the only reason I can think of that they're doing that is because they want to uh they want more voters, you know. They want it's a bribocracy, they want more voters that are going to be grateful to them and vote for their policies. That that that's kind of how it looks to me anyway.
2: Yeah, or it's the uh like the white guilt thing where it's like yeah. you know, every every European just feels guilty for the world, so they need to give themselves 10 lashings every day and you know. That's yeah. it's a mentality that's uh, destined to bring chaos for sure.
1: We well, see that with Germany so much, right?
2: Yeah, yeah but a, um, kind
1: of in politics.
2: As far as like the Afrikaners, I think uh, you mentioned the U- Europe and America uh, refusing refugees or not not doing that. But I think in us in the Australian Parliament, they put forward something to uh, initiate that process because I think I think uh, when apartheid ended, a lot of people ended up bouncing and going to australia That's right, um yeah. so i think they put something forward recently but it was struck down because they they said it was racist
0: to, oh, to yeah. want, wow, so yeah. want to so bring, fucking racist
3: yeah the same leftists who are campaigning to bring immigrants from all other countries suddenly decided why, that they, yeah
0: why do they want to, what i don't understand it can't just be pure naivety what purpose does this serve do they really want to fucking destroy destroy society and I don't
2: get it. I don't get it. But I mean, I I think uh I think I'm with you ultimately, Anthony. I mean, if you're if you're there and you're, you know, one of the Afrikaners, I, I would just get out. I mean, I understand there's some that have like eight or nine generations back up there. You know. Yeah, some some don't have, some the, don't have to, the means. Some,
3: some right. don't have don't the daunting, many, you know? money to flee. It's not just of the course. money. They don't, they don't they don't have any automatic entitlement to to live anywhere else. Right. You know, um not in the UK, especially most of those uh, Afrikaner farms will, will be of Dutch ancestry. You know? Yeah, th-
2: you would think the uh, the Netherlands would uh, or Holland would be, you know, calling them over, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Oh, no. um, so yeah, it's it sucks over there, man. I, I feel uh, I feel pretty pretty uh, pessimistic about how that's going to yeah. go down in the future. I mean,
3: I think there's I think there's an attitude from a lot of people uh, that well, you know, these are the nasty you know racist africaners who were evil to the blacks for for generations you know and i'm sure some of them were but you know most of them will just be ordinary people who are just living their lives you
1: know well it's a it's a it's a pathological obsession with race and his concept of the yeah. minority the oppressed. and when you redefine racism um to mean uh one you know like you can't be racist to a white person and, and you torture language that way. And in words or violence and you,
3: yeah, you know, because, you're... because racism is power plus prejudice. Right. Right. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. no, it's so no longer white
0: just Africanists are so fucking powerful and privileged, you know, and it's ridiculous. They, it, it just basically comes down to white people. It's not racism. If you do it to white people, that's what it comes down to. And um yes, we've got, a problem here because everyone else is collectivist, so I don't. I don't really have a point there. It's just like <laughs> in, in those in, in that nation, the the ruling elite who aren't white are collectivist about it. Yeah. So it forces people to be collectivist. So I just say get out of Africa. Like we, I mean, we don't use the resources we have. We've got our nationalized um broadcast the british broadcasting corporation does it put out documentaries on hayek and milton friedman and ludwig von mises do you know what i mean no the nationalized news outlet is um socialist uh it's too left-wing and too right-wing in the sense that when we were having all these wars it was um plugging the war it was very very in favor of the interventions abroad so it's like what uh, we can't even get it right here we can't even get it right here. So yeah. um, unless we start to get it right here, I'm not that optimistic. The great thing about ideas is people's ideas can be changed, not easily, not readily, but if you keep on giving and swing them with force of evidence, they can be changed eventually. The thing is we're not using the outlets that we have to change them in the right direction.
3: Yeah. So, Let, let's all move to Somalia. <laughs> so, what about you guys? You don't feel that you don't feel that you you'd like to move to the the free state project? You're not all moving to New Hampshire, no. <laughs> uh,
2: I I don't know, man. I we don't live too too far from New Hampshire. I'm, I'm guessing like six seven hours away or something. I I don't know. I think it's too cold up there, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, uh, I I I hate winter as it is, and we get we get a plenty of snow in Jersey. But uh, you know, I think they just picked a bad location, to be honest with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why you choose such a cold, cold place. I mean, I I, I want to go to Free State Project, but somewhere warm, Florida, Free State, Florida. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I guess it's Texas or something. At this point, is the bet your best bet?
1: Tommy, have you have you heard anything? I I haven't heard. The, like anything about the free state project in so long, I kind of forgot about it, which is not good for their, <laughs> for, I guess well, uh, the impact that they're having.
3: Well, pork fest is coming up again soon. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're pushing that quite a lot. So if the pork fest is going on, I'm sure there's something going on over there. Um, well,
2: wasn't it in the last year that um, they actually, you know, they had that critical number that they wanted to reach. I think it might've been like 20,000 committed, right. committed people. Um, and then once they hit that number, then everyone would have like five years to move over there. I think they did hit that number uh, okay. fairly recently. So, I mean, we'll see if if people actually up and and move to to New Hampshire. I mean, I know there are a lot of free staters there already, but, you know, that would be like really the indication of whether it was going to be a workable uh, option. I mean, I, I'm all for that. I, I mean, I see um, in New Jersey, there's, you know, different pockets of, immigrant groups or um like uh, there's a big hasidic jewish community here they right. kind of all move to the same place they kind of take over essentially take over like the governmental structure of a town and then they they uh you know they live the way they want more or less so yeah. i mean I, I don't i don't think it's a bad idea i would
0: love it i'm
3: happy yeah i mean yeah. it'd be, it'd be a fantastic what would be fantastic if the socialists got the same idea and they all Fucked Fucked off off to to Venezuela Venezuela or Sweden.
0: (laughs) You can send the send the radical feminists to Sweden, the socialists to Denmark, and the communists
3: to. uh, You don't have to send them; just kind of encourage them to go.
0: Well, it's
2: easy to self-segregate on the internet. Now we just got to make it a real thing in 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 geographical terms. You know, I think I, I. it's the most peaceful solution. I mean, that's for sure. I, 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 if free state projects, is,
0: you get- if you're a collectivist, it's unconscionable that anyone will not be living according to your principles, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the problem, I mean, right? I mean, the yeah. thing is, voluntary segregation would be fine, but the problem is, from the socialist perspective, well, the one percent who've got all the wealth will just not will just go and move to Monaco, and then we won't be able to loot them. You know, well they don't call it looting already. Uh,
3: but do you think there's something more than that? Do you think it's pathological? Do you think there's that there's a pathological need to be liked? And if you say, "Nah, do you know what? I'm going over here," it's like, "Why don't you like me? All oh, right, Fine. why don't you like me? Why are you moving over there? Come back and like well, me. I well, demand but, you like me."
1: And and one of the uh, most socialist uh, states in the U.S., if not the, is California. And people are fleeing. People are fleeing oh, California. Really? They're not really. Oh yeah, there. Um, the, there's an exodus of as a, population, as, and so by the way, a, going, a lot of them are going as to as a
0: white as a mostly white people who are fleeing.
1: Uh, I don't know the racial breakdown. I would. I would yeah. I would think so. Um, are they
0: disappearing but are they disappearing the same way that the um the co- the socialist professors disappeared from Europe and then uh, entered the American university system to spread socialism in America? Are they going to take their shit? Are they like, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, we fucked this place up. Let's just move somewhere else and fuck that place up too." Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you for that, guys. It's a wonderful.
2: Yeah, well- <laughs> That is the fear. Uh, I think, uh, Jeff, you said a lot of people are actually going to Texas, right? From California.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about um, what demographic is making the move. Um, I know okay. some individuals that have done it, and a lot of it is like business owners and people that are getting squeezed by the taxes. Okay, well. um, and they just can't handle like what the culture is turning into. So um, that could be a positive thing in that it's it's the reinforcing the socialist, leftist, progressive Hollywood culture, um, you know, for those that are in that part of California. Uh, and then those that don't feel like they're – like I would never now ever – Consider moving to California or sure.
0: anywhere like around Hollywood. It's like, but the, the the it would be so good if when these ideas failed uh, and they go, oh well, look, California tra- tried far left policies and look, they're a economic a <laughs> they're an economic basket case. Um, but they won't say that, will they? They'll go, oh, it's capitalism. It's blah blah blah. It's it's never it's never traced back to the, the true cause and effect is never blamed on the true cause and effect and it's infuriating
2: yeah well um there's several examples of it like you said i mean you have chile right next to like argentina and uruguay that's one thing they're 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 not exactly the same populations but then if you want to look at like the perfect example it's the korean peninsula i mean you have literally the genetic a genetically identified um yeah Same exact thing. You know, and and it's just like so divergent. I mean, obviously, you can you could sit there and, and, you know, reasonably say, oh, yeah, well, the United States has, uh, you know, had a hand in that Russia, China, they've all kind of affected it. So it's not pure capitalism versus pure, you know, autarkic socialism, I guess. But um, you know, it is it is a pretty striking example of the same exact population going two different ways. And I mm-hmm. think it's something to the effect of um the malnourishment is so bad in North Korea that like the men are like several inches shorter than mm-hmm. than the men in South Korea, you know?
1: Shocking. Another another humorous um uh consequence of Trump being elected though is that California and their hysteria uh started talking about and and they were actually like starting to propose like some some bills to secede from the US and uh it was all I would love I mean, it if they awful. did all the libertarians came out and like, pro secession, look pro secessionists, and they were drawing up the plans for them and how it would work. And uh, of course, they have so much federal debt. Um, the majority of California, um, I, I don't know what the percentage, but I believe it's the overwhelming majority once you go, um, you come inland east, um, is, is publicly owned uh, by the federal government, so it's not private land. And, and of course, they don't work any of that stuff out. Um, and they're in an unbelievable amount of uh, state debt as well. But uh, yeah, I was like, hey, you guys want to break off? Fantastic. That'll I mean, there's. I couldn't think of a uh, more important move for the concept of liberty than a state breaking off. Yeah. Cal-
0: isn't, California-
3: isn't, sorry, isn't, isn't Zoltan Istvan, isn't he from California? The, the The libertarian guy, the transhumanist? I don't know if you heard of this guy. Zoltan uh,
2: uh, I might he's have so, vaguely heard about him. I'm yeah, not
3: sure. Sultan, he seems like a, a an evil villain from from, from, from. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. a crazy name. Yeah. So yeah.
3: But but he's he's oh, yeah, he's he's, so he's so for the bad. UBI. He's for universal basic income. And and he's he he's, he's a libertarian, you know, but uh yeah, and uh, California you just think, well, you know, aren't you in know, enough debt without <laughs> without spending a lot of money, like I don't know, it's it's weird. I don't know what's going on with you guys over in America. Or your libertarian party—it seems to me, <laughs> no, it's crumbling apart. <laughs>
2: You know, there's there's other secession movements within California, though too. I think Woods, Tom Woods, had a a guy on his show a while back uh, for the State of Jefferson movement, which is like a big portion of many counties in Northern California. They They want to get out,
0: separate state from California. All right,
2: yeah, because (laughs) because uh, you know, down in Sacramento and L.A., like all a lot of the water gets taken from I think the Northern California, and you know the they don't get compensated fairly a lot of the uh, they're not getting okay. they're putting they're putting a lot in but they're not getting much out so You're i think getting that-
3: looted getting looted well here's the thing i mean i'm, I'm sure i read about this somewhere I'm sure i should have heard something didn't you guys have some problems a few many years back with with states trying to secede and there was a big war or something <laughs> like that
1: <laughs> some pre- <laughs> some big precedent that was set to never do this again or or else yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I'm well, sure I sure read something about don't, that. Don't you know? Don't you know that that war wasn't about secession? That's what we learned in school. We had Nothing. To all worry. right. Yeah, okay. Uh, it was about.
3: It was about freeing slaves. It yeah, was about. It was,
1: it was. not it had nothing to do. Uh, more people. More Americans died in that war than all the other wars we've been in combined, which is saying something. Uh, but yep. yeah, I I don't know where you're getting the secession concept from. I think it was <laughs> all, all slavery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I reckon that it was probably time for us to wrap up. We're doing another show. Uh, we have to prepare for it.
2: Yeah, we're we're good, man. It's been about an hour and a half, so uh, appreciate you oh, guys really? coming on. Okay. Yeah,
3: pr- pretty close. So time flies when you're enjoying yourself.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, we'll link to the Scottish Liberty YouTube channel. Everyone, check Thank them you. out. They have. Uh, I will mention uh, the one recent episode that I really liked um, was. I forget what the guy's name, but from just uh,
3: one.
2: <laughs> well, well, my favorite was the uh, the one from the guy from uh, Attack the System, where he went oh, over yeah.
3: all, all the different.
2: Yeah, that was great, man. He went yeah. over all the different uh, yeah, different types on of anarchy as well.
3: Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna go and see him live. He's he's appearing in the UK in London somewhere in London. So, so gonna... will
0: genuinely be anarchy in the UK. Nice, That's yeah. No so w- I'm gonna link to that
2: episode specifically because if anyone's interested, it
3: fantastic.
2: If anyone's interested in all the different anarchies, like that was a great uh, introduction to all that. So we'll link to that. We'll link to uh, Antony's uh, Procrastination Annihilation again. Definitely read that book. Um, and uh, thank you guys for coming on the show. It's don'twasteyourhate.com slash 39 for the show notes.
0: Thank you so much for having us. It's been real. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys.
1: It was
3: thank a lot you. of fun. Yeah. It was fun. We didn't, we right. didn't even get to Dankula.
0: Oh, you know shit
1: yeah no, no. I, I almost brought it up a few times I said nah I'll take the hint these guys have,
3: there's plenty that we could talk about well it's <laughs> just their excuse to get us for you invite us back on the show again. <laughs> that's right.
2: absolutely man I had a good time after, so we'll definitely okay.
1: after sentencing we'll have a special episode
3: <laughs> thanks guys
1: thanks Thank a lot alright take care guys